In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. And so God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So you, sitting here, attending this church right now, hearing these words, are created in the image of God, made in God's likeness in some mysterious way. You are God's offspring, His children, His creatures. Your family of origin is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What exactly does that mean, and what are the repercussions of what that means? And yeah, on the surface, it seems kind of simple, and it is kind of simple. Your nature is like God's nature in a whole bunch of ways. And no, you're not omnipotent, omniscient, or all-powerful. This is not a superpowers thing. I know, sorry, Adam, if that's what you're here for. Grab a coloring sheet and just keep yourself busy with that. But, and no, you can't create universes ex nihilo out of nothing. You're not God-like that way. And you're not perfect or all-wise or all-loving. But you are reflective of a God who is all of those things. That is the kind of God who created you. That is the mind of God that first conceived of this thing, this amazing creature called a human being. That is the scope of love that thought, let's create Genevieve. <laughs> let's create Brett. Let's make an Ashlyn or an Edward or a Robin or a Colbin. And when God decided to create human beings, the, the best kind of human beings that God could imagine, God could imagine, that would best reflect the godness of God, that that's the kind of art God would produce, God made human beings in God's image. So that's the, a little bit bigger definition of what it means, the weightier definition. And here's a little bit more wordy one and a more complex definition. To be human, writes theologian Hermann Bavink, is to be an image bearer of God, created in his likeness and originally righteous and holy. The whole person is the image of the whole deity. There has been extensive debate in the Christian church about the image of God in humanity. Some sought it essentially in human rationality, others in dominion over creation. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of this message. Others in freedom of the will or moral qualities such as love or justice. Yet, it is important to also insist that the whole person is the image of the whole, that is, the triune God. The incarnation of our Lord, of Jesus, is definitive proof that humans, not angels, are created in the image of God, and that the human body 
your flesh and blood body and all that it means is an essential component of that image bearing. From the beginning, creation was arranged and human nature was immediately so created that it was amenable to and fit for the highest degree of conformity to God and for the inmost, the most intimate indwelling of God. So yeah, like I said, lots in that definition, and uh, let me unpack it a bit. First line, to be human is an image bearer of God, created in his likeness and originally righteous and holy. Human beings in their original iteration were perfect when God first made them. But then things fell apart, that's a long story. And ultimately, who we were meant to be, who you are meant to be, what it means for you to be human, made by God, was, was lost. Which sounds like a good Lord of the Rings opening line, right? And I think that lostness, our now broken place, is where all of the feelings of loneliness and yearning and wanting and searching and reaching and trying to find our way come from. You were made to be perfect and yet fall short and fall short and fall short and fall short all the time. You were made to be right with God for the ultimate intimate indwelling of God and yet you were made for so much more and yet that moreness seems ever and ever elusive. And so we long with all of our hearts and beings and bodies to get back there again. And, and we're lost uh, until we do. So this is what your image-bearing nature is. It's so a part of you that until it's recaptured and restored, you will feel confused and aimless and lost, and that will lead you to spend your whole life going on different journeys, following different paths, doing different things, consuming different things, studying different things, your whole life trying to find your way back again. So that's a big part of your image-bearing and attention that you live in. We all live in. You were made perfect, righteous, holy, you're meant to live out of that place. Every fiber of your being is meant to live out of that place, and yet things are broken. And yet every fiber of your being is meant to live out of that perfect place in relationship with God. Bavink goes on, the whole person is the image of the whole deity. There has been extensive debate in the Christian church about the image of God in humanity. Some saw it in human rationality, others in dominion over creation, others in freedom of the will or moral qualities such as love or justice. Yet it's important to insist that the whole person, your whole embodied personage, is made in the image of a triune God. All of who you are is made to image God, meant to image God. So yes, your rationality. God is the most rational, rational, rational being imaginable. 
how you steward creation, your capacity for free will, your ability to love others and to feel this thing rise up within you that calls for justice, all of those kind of orientations, primarily more cognitive, head-oriented uh, orientations, all of those certainly do image God, but they're not the only ways human beings image God, if your whole body is part of imaging God. A person's physical strength images God. So you may be thinking of the story of Samson in the Bible. An athlete's hand-eye coordination, a friend's ability to intuit things quickly, the grace with which your son or daughter moves, your manager's high emotional quotient, uh, the way that designer is good with color or an author is good with words, the way architects can envision the form and functions of things before they're even built, the way scientists can understand unseen things and the inner workings of things, the way your dad can hear the moment he sees you that there's something wrong, the way a mechanic likes to fix things and work with their hands, or a teacher's ability to make complex things just so simple so little Evan can get the point in grade three. An artist's yearning to create things. I can't help but create things. A farmer's capacity to wait. An administrator's capacity to do things in good order. Could have a picture of Rita on the PowerPoint right now. <laughs> Part of the image-bearing nature of God that good orderedness built into her. All of those things. A disabled boy or girl's ability to wait. Always waiting on us. All of these things impart, in a powerful and true and beautiful and unique part, image God. And all of them are means through which, in this community, engaging God everywhere, you can engage and know God in the creative moment in the waiting moment, in the parenting moment, in the administrating moment. So, you're hearing this. You're made in the image of God, and your image-bearing nature is revelatory. You're a revelation. God built you in a way that reflects something of who God is, which is why I'm going to preach on an ICU nurse next week because they've been in the news for the last two years, right? All these frontline nurses laying down their lives. At first one, it was a pretty risky thing, working with people at the moment, right? Between life and death. Often intubated and out of it. I'm going to preach the whole sermon right now. <laughs> haven't even done the research. Someone is with you when you're out of it and can't do anything to save yourself. They're a revelation. You're a revelation. And the truth is, I could preach on any one of you. And there would be a sermon there. Because God spoke you in His image. God spoke you. And that makes me think that maybe that's why we want so much. Because we're meant to be Lives that are the word of God spoken into the world, living in a perfect way before God. 
So our yearnings are good yearnings to find that place again. And maybe the converse, is why, that's why we expect so much of them. Our parents, our friends, those who hurt us, our co-workers. Because they're made for something much more than just that thing that's hurt us. God made all of us for so much more. Every part of us meant to be in relationship with him. Like Bob Inc. said, from the beginning creation was arranged and human nature was immediately so created that it was amenable to and fit for the highest degree of conformity to God and for the inmost indwelling of God. You are made to fit with God. Your capacity to see beauty in the world. And we all have this, right? Images of God who sees beauty in the world all the time. Images of God who sees beauty that God spoke into the world all the time. Images alongside you, the experience of experiencing beauty that God spoke into the world with you in that beautiful moment. God made you with the capacity to see the beauty God made so that you could fit with God and sit with God and enjoy life and times of beauty with God because that's what your image bearing in the context of experiencing beauty is meant for. The experience of beauty, every time you have it, is a spiritual practice moment where God, the God of all beauty, is surely present. C.S. Lewis once said that every created thing in its degree, once C.S. Lewis, I always get this quote wrong, C.S. Lewis once said that every created thing is in its degree an image of God and the ordinate and faithful appreciation of that thing, a clue which truly followed will lead back to him. So everything images God in their way, and you image God in a made-in-the-image human being way. You individually, and you collectively as a family. Multi-generational families image God uniquely. Couples image God uniquely. Children image God uniquely, and all of us together here gathered, and all of us in this city here gathered, and all of us in this world now gathered, collectively image God. Because surely it would take a world full of humanity over tens of thousands of years to even begin to fully capture and reflect the wholeness of what imaging God is all about. Which now, back to stewarding and creation, because I've been watching and hearing the news all week, like I'm sure you have, about the COP26 UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow. I mean, if we're going to get things back in order on our planet, it is going to take all of us recovering more fully what it means to image a God who stewards the creation God has made. So let's run the image-bearing Imago Dei math on that. 
We are made in the image of a God who made this planet. A God who loves every intricate detail he wove into every ecosystem you've ever learned about. And fresh air and clean water and beautiful forests and plants and animals. We are made in the image of a God who took perfect care of this earth for billions of years before any of us arrived. And we are made to fit with God through how we steward creation in a God-like way. How we care for the earth is a means by which we can know the maker of heaven and earth. So how's your worship going on that front? God made a planet so that humanity made in his image can have a home. He made room for us to have a life because God is hospitable in that way. And we, made in God's image, are called to be hospitable in that godlike way towards others in creation. Others that are people and others that are birds and the snowy owl endangered here in Alberta. Others that, 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 that is the air we breathe and the water that we drink. We're called to make, make room and be hospitable like God, leave room for others that are future generations of others and animals and plant life. We are made in the image of a God who made and cares for all things with a long-term view in terms of stewarding, creation stewarding decisions. We're made to know God as we unpack the nature of this amazing planet that God made. And I am a firm believer that we're Christians and the Christian church to really exegete and read God's revelation through creation we would be in a much better place in terms of the decisions we make and how we bear our image, God's image, in terms of taking care of that creation. I mean, who's going to want to trample and trash a word from God? We are made to engage the self-limiting nature of Christ as we choose, even though we don't have to, to consume less and to be satisfied with simpler, smaller, more local lives. And everybody I've read, all the experts on this, if you want the world to change, capturing carbon, yeah, renew, yeah, stop consuming the way you're consuming people. We're meant to feel the goodness of figuring out better ways or the best ways or as close as we can to the best ways of doing things via renewable energies or carbon capture, if we can get that to work, or better battery technology, etc. We're, we're meant to feel like we have put it all on the table and put all the thought in and took all the time that needed to be taken to get that technology right before we implemented it and took advantage of it so that we could get our things cheaper or faster. We're meant to put that energy, that front-end energy, an energy that parallels the energy and mind of God that made it all in the first place to work as perfectly as it does. 
We're meant to be like God in terms of waiting and waiting some more. Can you imagine any human being making a big discovery that could be commodified really quickly, uh, saying, let's wait a couple more generations until we get the carbon capture part worked out. Lord, I pray that that little project in Iceland where they're sucking it out of the air and putting it into the volcanic rock, because volcanic rock can really hold this well, and a chemical reaction happens, that, that maybe the world will spend trillions of dollars <laughs> because we're imaging our maker, and why wouldn't we? That, that's the first thing God would do. We're meant to collectively care for creation the way God cares for creation. And in that place, meet God. Feel God's delight that we would choose to be or reclaim or enter into our image-bearing natures in that way. And yet we fail. Because when I was going on to you about consuming and getting all passionate, the four pairs of jeans I bought this week came to mind. I've been searching for months, couldn't find any, finally found this is one of them that I, thank you, thank you. I thought I can wear them for 10 years now, these four pairs of jeans. But still, this is hard because we want what we want, right? I want what I want. And so I don't want to rip the paper off the plastic to separate my trash so that I can reset. I just want to get to my computer and do the next thing. Ironically, we want what we want because we're so desperately searching to find our image-bearing natures more fully again, and that perfection will consume anything, will do anything, will act anything, will travel anywhere, will gain any experience we possibly can to somehow numb the pain or create the illusion of contentment or distract us from our lost circumstance. And through that overconsuming, ironically, end up destroying a world that was made to be a home for us within which we can image God and know God and find God through creation, in this case. My broken, image-bearing nature destroys what God has given me and us to sustain us. And we, I, reject God. And theologian Wendell Berry, somebody tweeted this week, called that blasphemy. That's a pretty big word for bad creation care. And yet, even as we reject God, God does not reject us. God will not reject his good creation. There is nothing in God's good creation that still doesn't have some remnant and some reflection of that image-bearing nature and something that God still loves with some very big part of God's heart. And God will make a way to bring you back to that perfect image-bearing place again. And God has made that way by coming in Christ, who bore God's image perfectly. The, the Son, writes the Apostle Paul, is the image of the invisible God. He was the perfect likeness of God. 
the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Bob Inc. was right, if the Apostle Paul was right. And Jesus, according to the gospel, takes away the veil that keeps us from seeing God and then in seeing God, seeing ourselves and the dignity and the calling and the power of our image-bearing natures again. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed right now in this very moment, transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. So that is the gospel, right? The good news of the Christian message that He can take that veil away from all of us and all of us that fill God's world and that He will one day through a death and bodily resurrection, His resurrection, get these bodies of ours (laughs) perfect, (laughs) whatever that means and whatever that's going to look like so that we can know Him in our touching, in our loving, in our creating, in our making, in our administering, in our living in a heaven-on-earth world. Jesus, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And through the person of Christ, you become you again, body and soul. We become God's people again, body and church soul, made in God's image, caring for creation and doing all that we do in bearing that image in God-like ways. And, and knowing God, being in a place that is for the perfect, intimate indwelling of the Spirit of God, the love of God, the presence of God for you. Knowing God in that place, in this place, in that place, perfectly once again. Uh, join me in a prayer. We do, God, long for that place and long to be be ourselves again, be with you again, be still and know that you are God. Become the human beings, these creatures that you made us to be, are calling us to be, to be close, be clean, to be new, be doing this life that you've given us, this amazing gift of a life in a way that more fully reflects you and loves you and honors you and respects you, to enter into the dignity of being that kind of human being again. So make us new again, Jesus, we pray. Amen.